0: Welcome to the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup being brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. I'm Susan Littlefield. And as you can see, we are on location this week at Commodity Classic, which has been underway in Orlando, and we're hanging out in the booth with the folks at agmarket.net. I wish I could kind of pan over. We've got a great audience. got a couple questions coming from folks here in the audience that are going to want to know about uh, December corn, so we're going to take a look at that. We're also going to take a look at some of the other issues that we've been seeing throughout the market trade. Lots of things to look at on this week's episode. Imagine a future fueled by soy-based possibilities, a future where creativity and productivity live together under one roof, a future that takes you from point A to point B to point Z, all while ensuring brighter tomorrows for our next generation. A soy-based future, it's already here. And welcome back once again. As you can see, Jacob Burks joins us and Brian Slit. They're both with AgMarket.net. And, and gentlemen, let's kind of start out first. I'm going to talk to you first, Brian. Is, is the struggle that we saw in this wheat complex this week, I think, is maybe caught the attention of a few?
1: It has. Uh, we've seen a, a really large break to the downside. Uh, we saw hard red wheat values trade below $8 a bushel. Um, and, and not just by a little bit, which we saw back in August, but but uh, substantially below $8. Um, and so my concern there, and I've been talking about that for several months, is looking at the continuous chart for wheat for hard red. We saw the same highs made in 2008 that we saw last year after the invasion of Ukraine. And once the market broke down below $8 a bushel, we continued to press down to six dollars very rapidly. Uh, Hopefully that's not the case uh, but I think you have to be aware of of what the market has done previously from the same price points and what it could do in the future.
0: Did it come as a surprise that it took as big of a drop as it did?
1: Uh, You know the the funds have gotten short wheat um, and so uh, they uh, have a habit of pressing things, and, and I think they know that there's a lot of participants that have been trying to buy this market on the way down, uh, especially when we tested $8 again, uh, that that's felt like a safe level to, to come in and step uh, step into the long side. Uh, so they're in here to, to punish, um, and, and they're doing a good job of it right now. Now, later in the month, we will be seeing a renegotiation of the grain corridor. Um, hopefully, that gives us a little bit of upward volatility, uh, especially if there's talk that Putin may renege on it or what have. You. Um But I do think that if, if we get a move to the upside on wheat here in the next two to three weeks, that producers should be looking at a way to put a florin under their crop
0: I want To ask you because you had an opportunity, Jacob, as you've been talking to folks, has there been any concerns about the discussion on this wheat market as it comes out of dormancy and, and what we could see if things don't green up like we hope?
2: Uh, you know, it's funny you ask because the you know, had some people just stopped by the booth here from Amarillo and Dalhart area and that, that panhandle part of Texas, and yeah, to say people are pretty scared about uh, soil moisture in that area is, uh, is a very accurate statement. So, I think that uh you know talking to uh, these wheat producers that we've talked to I-, I think that they have some optimism just because we've taken so much out of it but you know right now the market doesn't have a lot of fear of inflation uh right now we're worried more about what we have done from a you know uh, uh from an interest rate standpoint, to spark more deflation, and so I think that that's you know from a fundamental perspective of what's going on. Yes, we broke the charts. Uh, the funds are, are exiting long positions, and in the wheat market, you know, you know, pushing the market lower with continuous sells. Uh, but I think that you know when the wheat comes out of dormancy, and what's actually there, uh, is there going to be enough uh, fear, enough scare in the market to help it rebound? And that's the fundamental reason maybe we can get some type of bottoming in this format, in this, in this wheat market.
0: You did talk a little bit about the Fed's and that whole inflation talk. Kind what's your spin on what happened this week and it's going to set the tone for a while
2: uh, I believe whenever the, uh, the, the the threat of faster uh, interest rate hikes, uh, I, I think that put a, a damper on these commodities. Uh, you know That's where they have came in, the funds that came in and put a position of, of inflation uh, hedging, if you will. And now when that uh, that fear of, of deflation starts to ring, whenever we start raising interest rates, I think that helps, sped, that, that sped up the, the process. And then when we broke a lot of, of charts that Brian can talk to you about, the, the technical uh, you know, support levels were broken, and that just fueled the fire tough to some of this deflationary thought process.
0: I think he's launching the basketball to you on that one. Uh, What are your thoughts on on when you look at the overall charts and that whole discussion that happened with the
1: feds? So one of the things that I've been looking at, and and we showed this at our conference in Nashville about a month ago, um, the commodity indices. And and so you you could look at Reuters Commodity Index, Bloomberg Commodity Index. um, And so one of the things that I showed is the Bloomberg Commodity Index had a uptrend that was established in 2020 after COVID lows were made. And uh, we peaked out in in commodities as a whole in spring of 2022. Um, On the chart of the index, you would have what you would call a descending triangle. Uh, We had a good base of lows that were made in summer. We had another base of lows that were made in fall. And we took out those lows here um, recently. So that suggests that the commodities are now in a downtrend. Um, That doesn't mean that they can't bounce, but that bounces should be selling opportunities. And one of the things, um, you know, as we look at the uh, the increase rates. Um, The Fed talking about rates going higher than they thought they may have to go, uh, maybe going up faster than they thought. Um, And we also look at the M2 money supply, and if you look at the idea that as money supply increases that inflation will go up with money supply, we are seeing M2 money supply contract drastically uh, and that is a very deflationary force.
0: All right, we had a gentleman in the audience, I was hoping we could get, uh, I think it was Nathan that asked the question. But he doesn't want to come up and ask it. Do you want to come up and ask your question directly about December? No? Okay. So (laughs) he is camera shy. So, of course, the opportunity um, here at Commodity Classic, and, and we're on the trade show floor, it means you guys are getting folks coming up wanting to get your thoughts. And even if the good, the bad, and the ugly on this December new crop...
1: Uh, so I, I think it's ugly. Um, the December new crop contract had uh, a very well-defined downtrend, um, a descending triangle on the chart, much like the commodity index itself. And so we've broken down of that descending triangle. Um, and so I've been comparing a lot uh, to 2013. There's a lot of similarities. Whether it's you know making highs for the year, the first trading day of the year, being at 590 to start the month of February breaking uh, into the in the later part of the month of February. So something I do think that we could see happen is a, a little bit of a relief rally going into the end of the quarter as we get close to the planning intentions report. We do still have tight old crop stocks. That report will have an, uh, a stocks report as part of it. Um, so I, I think based on the, the break that we've had, Uh, In 2013, we did see a low that was made the week of the WASDE report, which was this week. Um, So I'm looking for a little bit of upward mobility as we finish out the month, but I think the producers should use that as a marketing opportunity to do catch-up sales, buy-puts, whatever they need to do. Um, And then on top of that, uh, long-term, these charts do project down into the low fours. uh, And if we do see the balance sheet change the way I think they could, we're going to be looking at nearly a 2 billion bushel carryout with 91 million acres and a good yield.
0: So that kind of brings me, uh, Jacob, over to you, the fact that there's a lot of guys that got grains still sitting in the bins from 2022. They should have been doing some marketing plans on that a long time ago.
2: Uh, yeah, I, I joked with a guy earlier that, uh, that uh, he's had a lot of... Uh grain still in the bin, I said, he must not have been working with us. We were pretty adamant early uh, to be aggressive making some sales. And, and, and you know, even with even the guys that do have uh, grain in the bin, maybe they were waiting on different logistics or different uh, different reasons for having it in there, uh, to be very uh, encouraging for them to to go ahead and have some type of floor in this market. It's really hard uh, with this type of uh, pricing and these opportunities. That are out there to not have some type of protection in place, but the one thing you got to look at is what is it actually costing them to to store this grain now? That is a uh, you know the the way the you know they're not operating on three percent interest rates anymore. They're operating loans are probably more at seven or eight, and to have that those bushels still sitting in the bin uh, at these type of profitability levels is is probably not something I would recommend. Go ahead. no, go ahead well I just, I just look at, at what to do now, and that 's the biggest question we 've had now is okay what we 're here we, we do We have some corn left to sell uh, at this point right now, the way that the, the, you asked what the picture looked like, the picture is not very pretty if you look at the chart behind us. And I would probably say from that picture, I don't want to make a lot of sales right here. I would much rather use some type of floor and hope that maybe we do have some type of planning problem or some type of uh, news from the reports that are coming up at the end of the month that we can get a little bit of a bounce. So I would be very aggressive with some, some lower you know, put strategies and leave the top side open.
0: Obviously, it's very important to have this conversation with, with folks like you and really have this marketing plan in place before that planter even hits the field. But as it's too, especially this year, are we going to get too emotional with this crop?
1: Yeah, Susan, I think part of the the issue with this year um, is just the sheer amount of of dollars it's going to take to grow the crop, and um, we we look at the spring price average that was made in February, and it was 591, and it was 590 last year, so if you just say, oh, well, that's great, it it was a touch higher than last year, but there's a major difference, and that this crop is going to be substantially more expensive than last year's crop, so 591 this year is not as good as 590 last year, Um, and so... I think that's uh, one of the major concerns that we're hearing from producers that are coming by the booth is just the sheer amount of of dollars that it's going to take to grow the crop this year. Um, And so I I think you have to look at that and and, uh, when you have the ability to do something management-wise to provide a floor that leaves you profitable with the flexibility of being able to capitalize on a rally should it occur down the road, that's how you want to set yourself up for success.
0: And no surprise, we're going to see, and I'll talk to both of you about this, but some serious geopolitical pressures happening in this marketplace.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, when, whenever you throw uh, concerns about China in the mix, China's a, a large customer of ours, obviously, in soybeans. Um, over the last couple of years, their their purchase power of, of corn has come in uh, after we, we made substantial lows after COVID. Um, and I think right now the market's trying to figure out what China needs year to year for corn. Uh, prior to, to African swine fever, before changing their feed rations, they were buying maybe a million and a half to two million tons of corn a year. Now it's substantially more than that. Uh, but they probably bought more in 2021 and 22 than they need to buy every year moving forward so i think we got to figure out what that number is but if we see uh, additional uh, or, or geopolitical tensions with China, um, that could weigh on the futures market just for concerns that they may not need to won't buy from the U.S. as aggressively as they would if we had good relations.
0: In a nutshell, you got about thirty seconds. What's your thoughts on the geopolitical world for grains?
2: Well, I think you look at uh, not only not only China, but you got other areas uh, such as the grain corridor, and if that gets passed, and I think that right now, if you wanted to look at the, the most. Uh, urgent thing that we're looking at is does that get past this in the next week? Uh, whether we're going to be able to continue to export grain out of Ukraine. Uh, I think if that is any type of problem, any type of halting of that, that could be beneficial for this wheat market. Uh, but, it, uh, if, if they do get that past, this, this downward trend could continue in the, in, in the wheat and maybe even the corn a little bit.
0: Real quick, how do they get a hold of you guys to have this conversation?
2: Hey, uh, first of all, look up agmarket.net, uh, take a 30-day free trial of our Intel. Uh, and from there, you can find the, the numbers to all of our brokers on our on our website.
0: Wonderful. Thank you to both of you for joining us today. Of course, we've been on location at Commodity Classic, which is underway in Orlando. And as we always remind you, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. And that's been a look of The Nebraska Soybean Board's Weekly Market Roundup on the road right here at Commodity Classic on the Rural Radio Network.